At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to the call up your go to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we've got some trade deadline talk to break down, man. This is perfect. I'm I'm excited. I I feel like we're still kind of on the, the eve of of what will hopefully be a little bit more fun. It's July 31st. Of course, tomorrow, late afternoon, basically evening, five o'clock is the deadline. But we've already got enough to unpack. Some good prospects have been moved, some intriguing trades so far. And there's a lot of guys I think that we just got to break down. Yeah, two top 100 guys for sure. And several fringy guys, probably in the 150 range. But no, man, I I think we were we've been expecting for a long time that this was going to be a pretty crappy deadline in terms of lack of sex appeal. But hey, I didn't have Max Scherzer getting moved. But here we are seeing Max Scherzer get moved. So mm-hmm. I, I think that we're going to see some teams, you know, be, be presented offers that they can't refuse in what is so clearly a seller's market. And we saw the report from Ken Rosenthal, and we'll get into this on the Just Baseball show as well. But we saw the report from Ken Rosenthal that everybody is up for discussion with the White Sox now after they shut down the cease conversations Several days ago, they opened them back up. I, I think they why. saw the returns. Yeah, exactly. I wonder why. Yeah. I mean, you see the re- and we'll break down these returns. But like, you know, you see what you know the Cardinals get for Jaymont and, you know, what what some of these teams are. I mean, of course, what what the Angels had to give up for Giolito uh, and what the White Sox got in return there. Like you got to You got to start thinking like, man, we might have got the future of our of our catching position. You know, in a rental swap for Giolito and, and Lopez, two rentals, we got to kick the tires on Dylan Cease. And I've been pretty adamant about that because I think in this market, even with Cease not pitching to the best of his ability, he could bring in an absolute boatload uh, of, of, a, of a haul in. And what's really funny, too, the one last thing I wanted to mention real quick, we'll see how it how it ages, but. The guys that have been perpetually blocked, um, the the three prospects that, it, and there's several others, but the three that come to mind, Michael Bush, Jonathan Aranda, Joey Ortiz, right? Bush, Dodgers, Aranda, Rays, Ortiz, Orioles, all teams that should be, you know, pretty aggressive buyers. Uh, 
players that are on the 40 that just that just need need an opportunity somewhere else. Aranda hit a 100 and something mile per hour home run that went 464 feet yesterday. I think it was over 110. To bring his OPS in AAA to 1,041 at the point of that that batted ball. Yeah, I think Michael Bush hit two home runs. And Joey yeah. Ortiz hit a home run to bring his average over the last like 25 games up over 370. Like these guys have to get moved. So I'm looking forward to hopefully breaking them down. But I just thought that was funny, like right up to the deadline. Like these guys are playing out of their mind. Like get me out of this situation. The common saying in minor league baseball is not only are you auditioning for your team, but you are auditioning for the 29 other teams as well. Yeah. And you become an asset. Yeah. Um, and the best thing, hey, the best thing for the Dodgers is if Michael Bush plays really well, because they are either... I guess like handcuffed into a situation where they have to play an incredibly talented hitter that is raking in AAA or they're handcuffed into trading him at peak value. And they can say, Hey, we've got a guy hitting 300. That's on pace for 30 pumps again, again. And yeah. like, I, I don't know. I, I find it fascinating with those guys because they have absolutely nothing left to prove in the no. minor leagues. And I get it from the big league team perspective. Cause like those are two, two of the three are very defensively limited. Ironically, the third is, is su- supremely talented defensively. So that, like, that's what you're going to do. Really tough. There's no yeah. excuse for Ortiz. I think, you know, Mateo should be kicked to the curb and, and, yeah. and Ortiz should be doing exactly that role, but I guess they want everyday ABs, but Mateo kind of gets close to that. Aranda, yeah. like I understand it. Like, where are you going to put him in there? Like, you know, defense is important. The Rays don't need well, that much more production. I know they've been stalling lately, but yeah, but and you got and you got Yandi at first, Lau at second, Franco at short, yeah, and, and Isak at third. Like, and you're not no. DHing him. You're not DHing him. Like, no, so they're, they're in a unique spot. And then the Dodgers are the Dodgers. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But again, like looking at some of these these returns and, and looking at how things are, like you might have to move one of these guys for what might be what are the best rental left on the market or whatever it may be. So it's probably a tough in between spot for these teams. Cause it's like, they're too good to trade for rentals, but they're not good enough to probably headline a package for, you know, a, a guy with control. I don't know how many guys are out there with control right now, but it's kind of this, this tweener spot. What trade do you want to start with? Uh, I want to start with the Giolito one and then we'll kind of go to most recent. So okay. we're almost like backdating. We're starting with the most, non-recent and then we're going to go to the most recent actually if we wanted to go most non-recent um what do you got on mason mccoy going to toronto for trent thornton anything no i got nothing there we, we could skip <laughs> that one <laughs> <laughs> um kai bush and edgar caro to chicago for the tandem of lucas giolito and reynaldo lopez we're not going to have the big league conversation because that is a conversation for the just baseball show that we had at the end of last week. So if you want our take on, on how Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez fit in, go listen to the just baseball show, but Kai Bush, Edgar Carroll, we got into them a little bit. I think you're spot on, man. The white Sox acquire their catcher of the future for two rentals and a flyer that they're taking on a guy that was in the futures game last year. You rarely hear buying low on a prospect, but in this case, I almost feel like they, they are the White Sox are in, in getting an Edgar Caro here because you know, Caro receives an extremely aggressive assignment to double A. And I told you, you know, some of the, the people that I talked to that had some familiarity with the situation said that, you know, Caro was assigned to double A, you know, at skipping high A effectively, one because of performance, but two because they really like the coaches that they have in Rocket City. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's been something that's pretty well documented now about how the 
the Angels, you know, do have some preferences to Rocket City in terms of development because some other places are band boxes. Some other places have, you know, other aspects to what's going on. It's unfortunate that he was sent to a place where they were using a, a dummy ball. Uh, yeah. But I think that they really wanted him to work with these specific coaches. And people forget, like, Carroll just skipped high A completely. So this is a switch hitting catcher. Yes, there's not that much physical projection. He's 5'7", but he he hits the ball hard enough, you know, I think to to dream on you know, fringe, fringe average power, but the hit tool could, could develop into plus Uh, his approach is phenomenal. The defense needs to come along, but if they just stuck him in high a, like every other team would have, you know, in in a normal situation and he puts up a 140 WRC plus, which would have been more than feasible. Look at what he did last year. Are are we seeing him moved? Like sometimes I think the psychology behind the values of these guys is interesting because it's like, we're penalizing him for holding his own in an assignment that, most players in his position, almost the vast majority, wouldn't have got that kind of aggressive assignment. Yeah, I think so. I, I also, I mean, we know better than anybody. This is such a what have you done for me lately thing. Prospecting yeah. like Nick York. <laughs> Nick York is a perfect example of the pendulum swing. And Edgar Caro has not experienced that because, I mean, dude, he was 20 years old and double starting this year. But. You know, at the beginning of this year, I asked you, and I remember this vividly, like, which Carol would you rather have, Jefferson or Edgar? And that was a tough question for you to answer. Now it's pretty easy because Jefferson has totally separated himself while Edgar has looked 20 years old in double A. But we got to remember, like, that conversation was four months ago. That's not long. And he's a 20-year-old catcher in double A. So he he got assigned to double-A Birmingham. He'll probably be in Birmingham for the rest of the year. They just moved a kid, Adam Hackenberg, to triple, who's been hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, they have, and Corey Lee, too. Like, we can talk about Corey Lee in a moment if we want to, but I, Corey Lee's a guy that can just plug into the big league level right now and eat up some innings while Caro develops. Yeah. There's no rush here at all. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Lee will, will, yeah, we'll discuss briefly. Like, I think that's just a good body to have there. And, and of yeah. course, this is a fine backup and, you know, guy that can, can do the job. But yeah, I mean, Caro in 2022, and this was as a 19 year old in low A, 312, 435, 530 slash line with 17 homers, very hitter friendly environment, but still, and, and, you know, didn't strike out at all. 14% walk rate, 18% K rate. And through like the quote unquote disappointing, season so far uh, this is does not include the three games in in Birmingham but 70 games in double a as a 20 year old he was 19 years old at, at season start actually 19 for like basically half the season 246 386 332 the slug is the is the issue uh but that's still a 104 wrc plus he's walking more than he strikes out and you know a lot of the underlying data looks really good I think this was a really good opportunity to pick up somebody that you know, probably this might be the bottom of his his prospect value because I do think he's going to get rolling and and kind of get himself you know back to where he was maybe not a 150 wrc plus at the upper levels but back up to that that prospect that you're like yeah that's a one of the better offensive catching prospects in baseball the defense keeps coming along I think ultimately he's an average defender behind the dish at best but. Again, defense is kind of becoming de-emphasized. As long as you can block, receiving is going to be less important. He's limited the running game fine. His arm's fine. So I, I, I do think that this is the future now for behind the dish for the White Sox. And to get that for a pair of rentals uh, and, and getting a pitcher on top of that, who we'll get to, like that's a pretty damn good deal. 
Pero 70 ish range, 70 to 80 range in the top 100. What do you think? Yeah, somewhere around the 60 to 80 range. I'm still kind of final. He's one of the toughest ones, but the more time I put into it, the more I think he's closer to that 60 range for all of the reasons that we just said. Yeah. Um, Kai Bush, the other guy acquired by the White Sox, Bush had a solid year last year. He was the best pitching prospect in a horrible Angels system prior to last year's draft. Um, he's been passed up by a couple of guys here, Bush injury hampered. And, uh, when he's been on the field, it hasn't been great so far this year. I think the ERA is, is a couple ticks over five. Um, but again, like this guy's got enough talent for it to be worth it, especially when you're getting Carol as the big time headliner. Yeah. I mean, it's a six, six lefty big body. You hope that there's some more velocity in there. He really like averages about 93 miles an hour, but. You can hope that there's a little bit more in there. If there is, then you know you've got number four starter type of upside. I think he's got a good chance to start. The slider is the best pitch, and that's been a really good pitch for him this year. But the changeup has continued to come along, and and that kind of helps him with the splits because it was you know very fringy for him previously. Yeah, and it's gotten better and better. This is a guy that just his command needs to be on point for him to be good. And right now the command is fringy and that's the challenge. But I think if the command can get to above average, I really do think that you could have a back end of the rotation starter here. So he looked really strong last year because the command was solid. Command was well under, I think, three walks per nine. Now it's, you know, closer to five walks per nine and again, limited sample. I think it's what, like 26 innings in double so far. And he's walked 14, but I mean, the K numbers are up a little bit. He was under a strikeout per inning last year. Now he's a little bit over a strikeout per inning. He's not a stuff guy though. Like he's a pitch to contact, land that slider for strikes and get ground balls. Um, I don't know. feels counterintuitive for a guy that's six, six two forty, Like you're saying, like big dude should be able to blow by hitters. That's just not who Kai Bush is. Yeah, and and I think with with Bush, the command challenges may be coming from you know the, the injury, and like kind of the just I think he's had multiple injuries you know over the last couple couple years, and specifically over the last year. And I know he had you know another one in an extended spring, so you know, that might be affecting him a little bit. His first start in Birmingham was was or for Birmingham in Biloxi was a bit of a disaster, but Biloxi can be a launch pad. So you know, we'll see. I I think this is ultimately. And not a guy that the Angels are losing sleep over parting with. But again, for the White Sox to get a top 30 prospect pitcher, he's a top 30 in the system, excuse me, like that that's worth it. You know, it's solid on top of Edgar Carroll. I think this would have been a good trade just with Carroll alone. So they get a pitcher who has a chance at starting on top. He's not ranked as high as, you know, all the national writers said he was when they looked at pipeline or whatever. Uh, he's yeah. not that guy. But he is still one of the better arms that they had to offer at this point. Uh, and, you know, I think I think that's a pretty good get on top of Carroll. Yeah. Um, real quick, Carlos Santana goes to Milwaukee for Johnny Severino, who was signed for over a million dollars in IFA last year by Milwaukee. Uh, DSL last year, 48 games. He slashed 268, 333, 391 to 724 OPS, 10 for 11 in the stolen base department. Uh, strikeouts were a problem in the DSL. Um, he comes stateside, played 12 games in the ACL for Milwaukee. He had an 870 OPS. He goes yard in his only game so far uh, at the complex with the Pirates, too. 18-year-old flyer. This was exactly what you're going to 
get for Carlos Santana. And I think Concharrington is, is hoping that uh, the development side of his farm system can work their magic with a guy that was a big ticket IFA guy. Yeah, you know, he's definitely been a disappointment, relatively speaking. So it feels weird to say that about an 18 year old, but you know, right. Like he hasn't but he signed like, for 1.1. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't looked like a million dollar guy just yet, but he has looked slightly better this year. The contact rates have been better um against better competition. So it's an opportunity to to snag up a complex guy and and see what you got here. I think that was a, a nice little a little get for Carlos Santana, right? Like these are guys that you sign for the goal of flipping for a lottery ticket, and it's exactly what they did. Yep. Um, Miami, they got David Robertson for two lottery tickets, and you think the Mets made out really well here. Ronald <laughs> Hernandez, a catcher, and Marco Vargas, who is as advanced a bat as you will find in an 18-year-old at the complex, yeah? Yeah, this one, uh, this was a lot for the Marlins to give up here. And, um, you know, people, you know, I feel like you have to call anybody at the complex level a lottery ticket, but I would I think Marco Vargas is like, could be the exception to the the lottery ticket, you know, conversation when we talk about these these rookie level guys. Not to say that Vargas is a guarantee to be a big league bat, but I think he's a guarantee to put up solid numbers and full season ball, and then we'll see how he develops at the upper levels. Like this is a guy that I'm expecting to to make a very smooth transition into low A. We ID those guys, you know. I think before the year, some of the like the Luis Laras of the world. I don't think he's as elite bat to ball, but he's he's not that far off. Luis Lara with the Brewers, like that was a guy we knew when he got to low A, he was going to put up pretty solid numbers. Vargas. Left-handed bat, smooth swing. I'll be honest with you, like the, the the Marlins fan in me, when I saw the trade go down, said, you know, anybody but but Vargas, to be honest. Like I I would have rather probably even moved like Yiddy Cape and, and some of those other guys than than Marco Vargas. Just turned 18. Zone contact rate spectacular. Uh the chase rate's extremely low. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's pushing 90% zone contact, a small sample, 30 games. But again, last year. He was really impressive as well. If you go back and look at our listen to our Marlins episode, I, I gushed about him for the you know Marlins top 10 going into this year. Chase rate at 17 to 18 percent for a complex kid when everybody around you is effectively wild is extremely impressive. And the exit velocities continue to, to sneak up there. He's already popping some 105s. I think he snuck in a 106. Like that's pretty impressive for a contact first prospect who is just 18 years old and still filling out. I thought this was a phenomenal get for a team in the Mets that have historically neglected the complex level prospects, right? They, they've, they usually trade them away. The Hector Rodriguez, Andy Rodriguez, uh, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong doesn't really count because a first round pick, but they usually neglect these guys and now they're targeting them. Vargas was a phenomenal get. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's on top 100 list before long. The 180 that the Mets have taken here is absolutely freaking insane. And I mean, we, we've talked about this several times here, like the Mets being willing to part with cash Robertson. They didn't do it here, but I mean, they did it with, um, they did it with Scherzer to go get Luis on Helicuna, which we're going to get to here in a matter of moments. But I, I mean, the fact that they are willing to totally pivot to, we don't give a shit about the farm. We're going to make this big league team as good as possible to, we're going to sell a $40 million guy. We're going to sell a $10 million reliever and we're going to prioritize the farm is absolutely insane. And I think that they're doing a great job right now because for the longest time, the Mets were always bottom of the barrel in terms of farm, in terms of player development. It took a guy like a Brett Beatty to stand out, like a Francisco Alvarez to stand out. Those were top 10 prospects. Yeah, those in are, baseball. And those were all big like first round pick. 
expensive international free agent. Like the big ticket guys were fine, but yeah. it was like nothing between the margins there. They were and, giving away the between the margins. Hector right. Rodriguez for Tyler Naquin, Andy Rodriguez, you know, for, for Joey Musgrove for Lucchese. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was in part of the Musgrove deal, but ultimately in a vacuum, it was Lucchese for Andy Rodriguez. Like that's crazy. And there's probably other examples in the past. So I think that you kind of learn your lesson the hard way. And Vargas is a great get. I think he's instantly one of their better prospects. I think he's better than Jet Williams. Like I really do. And that's a guy that I know a lot of Mets fans like, but there's a bias. There's a natural bias to draft guys versus IFA because sure. of just like the, the hype that comes around these guys and we don't have anything on them when they're well, in international that video free pre-draft. Exactly. Yeah. But to be honest, they're both very volatile. Like maybe it's one slightly more than the other, but like, I'm telling you, if you put Marco Vargas in college, he would just be going to his freshman year in college, by the way, like, he would light it up. So, or, or even if he was playing stateside in high school, you know, he's probably putting up video game numbers and is one of the favorite, you know, draft prospects right now. Uh, you know, he would probably be draft eligible going into the next draft as in it just turned 18. So there, there's an interesting psychology of it, but I think Vargas was a great get for them. And then Ronald Hernandez on top of that solid get switch hitting catcher. I don't know if he's going to stick there, but the bat to ball skills are also pretty good. Not plus like Vargas, but pretty good. A little bit more power projection um, and another just solid piece to add from the complex level that's putting up good numbers. What do you have on this T Thompson outfielder going from the Dodgers to yeah. Chicago for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly? Oh, is that, that's Clay's brother, right? Yeah, that's Clay's brother. <laughs> that's so classic, dude. I, I was surprised that he was thrown into that deal. But why do you think the White Sox wanted Trace Thompson? Uh, they wanted him to be a White Sox for the third time. Yeah, that's a you think that was a Reinsdorf call like, hey, yeah, it's like I remember Trace. Let's and get we, him we gave up on him too early and we owe him one. We owe him one. Yeah, I I fired Tony LaRusso in 86. So I owe him one in 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, how yeah. that typically works. Um, Nick Nostrini and Jordan Leisure were the prospects that came back for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. Leisure. This was actually the first time I had heard Leisure's name. Um, reliever in double A. So when you get past that Tulsa drillers rotation, you had to make your way to a guy that is punching out 15 guys per nine this year. Um, walks were a bit of a problem for leisure, but not too bad. Um, he was one of Tulsa's best relievers. It looked like. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just one of those guys that the Dodgers are probably fine parting with because he's limited to a bullpen role and he's he's 24 years old already. But, you know, to get that guy in in a supplemental piece in a deal, you got to feel pretty good because there's a good chance that he's a big league reliever in some capacity. So, I mean, the stuff's really good. It's it's just about the command and he just fits the bill of those like Tulsa driller guys. Uh, Nick Nostrini, though, that's the get here. Right. And, And that's the guy that ultimately could end up being one of the the better White Sox pitching prospects you know, re- relatively immediately. He's probably number two behind Noah Schultz. Yeah. Noah Schultz. You know, you could see where like he's got, he's better than Peyton Pallette. Like he's better than, oh, is he better than Mena? He's probably better than Mena. Yeah. I guess it depend who you ask, but like, I, I think, I think he might be better than Mena. Like the stuff is uh, the one thing that's been interesting to me with, with Nostrini is that the Velo is, is tick, down slightly over his last few starts. So I don't know if that's just like an innings management thing that needs to be done or or what the deal is, but the last couple starts I've seen him like tick down slightly because early in the year he was kind of sitting 95, 96, grabbing a lot of sevens. Last few starts he's been more 
93, 94, grabbing some fives. But, I mean, this guy's got some crazy whiff stuff. Uh, the the fastball really takes off. It, it's a good swing and miss pitch. The slider has just been always, it's always, the slider and the curveball have always been there for him. He's had two distinct breaking balls that really have just been big time swing and miss pitches. And then he even mixes in a changeup that, you know, he, he needs to find more consistency with it. But when he throws it around the zone, it is nasty. Like it is absolutely nasty. Opponents are hitting a buck 60 against it this year. Uh, in zone whiff is near 50%. Like if it's in the zone, no one has a shot. 30% swinging strike rate. Like th- that pitch could be elite. So he has a chance for a really impressive four pitch arsenal. But, you know, can he be stretched out consistently? Uh, can he throw enough strikes? Those are the questions. But he has the floor of a high leverage reliever. And I think he's got a good chance to be a starter with that pitch mix. Dude, there were so many guys in that rotation. Like, I, I'm thinking, okay, you part with one. Like, you're not going to part with Sheehan. Uh, Nick Frasso, I like Frasso, I think, more than Nestrini. Yeah, I would imagine that the Dodgers, right? like, from a data standpoint, I know Frasso's older, but I think, you know, when you look at some of the underlying stuff and probably a lot of the things that that the Dodgers look at, um, Frasso's a little bit more uh, of an outlier with, with the stuff. How about River Ryan? There are some people that think River Ryan's a, a top 50 prospects. So are I, you I, one of those people? No, but I think oh. River Ryan's really damn good. I would rather have River Ryan. So, yeah. Got you. Um, Maddox Bruns. I know he's high A right now, but that, that's a first round pick. So yeah, I, I think this was the guy that they were willing to part with. And then Landon Knack's not good enough. So Wait, I think Knack is 26. He wouldn't have gotten you this. No. So this was kind of a sweet spot here. And that's what happens when you have a bajillion pitching prospects and you have a bajillion you know, pieces you can you can kind of pick the right guy that fits the the unique deal. And Nestrini was the exact perfect fit here. I thought it was a very fair swap for both sides. Yeah. Um, Houston, they went and got Kendall Graveman. They gave Corey Lee to Chicago in return. I have nothing more to add than what we just talked about. Hi, Kona. What's <laughs> up, doggy? In the Bro, background on YouTube. YouTube. You see the like, <laughs> shepherd just, just jumping around in the house. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> she's a nut. Um, but yeah, th- that's it. That was one where it's like, what are you gonna get for Kendall Graveman? He's been, you know, kind of a fraction of of what he is, you know, he was previously. Corey Lee was like the the inevitable trade chip from from the Astros just because it just, I don't know. Yiner Diaz is just a better version of Corey Lee. Lee is just kind of just been a guy that's stalled out in the quadruple a role, you know, so, so to speak. But that said, again, if you're the white Sox and you don't have a lot of catching depth in your system, you happily welcome a Corey Lee. Cause there's a great chance. He's a, a solid backup. You hope when that they he trade be- Grandall, he might start games. Yeah, it can't be worse. And also, like catchers, how often are we seeing catchers just continue to be late bloomers because the position is so hard? How many catchers just figure it out at 27, 28? I, I, I could list you a bajillion. Like, there's so many that just figure it out way later, like a Jake Rogers right now. Um, you know, Jacob Stalling stinks, but like he was he was a guy that figured it out way later. Uh, yeah. Jonah Heim younger, but like that was a guy that didn't look like anything like he was now. And I'm not saying he's going to be any of those guys, but I'm all in on accumulating relatively talented catching prospects, even if they're 24, 25, because for me, a catching prospect at 24 is like a position player prospect at 22, just because it's so much harder and takes so much more time. Lee helps them now. He gives them a shot for something a little bit more in the future. I'm not a big fan of his, but again, for a reliever, no brainer swap. I, 
Rick Hahn's doing a decent job right now. Weirdly. I think he's doing a good job. Yeah. I, I'd elevate it from decent. Like the fact that, and again, might just be a matter of the market. I, you can't, yeah. I don't want to give him like too much credit because, you know, he's moving failed pieces and like a Lance Lynn and a Kelly, but um, no, man, I, I think he is doing a great job maximizing returns right now. Mets, again, we're getting to the big fish, the one-for-one swap. You have about $30 million going from the Mets to Texas. Texas, over the next, I guess, year and two months, is going to pay Max Scherzer 22.5. But they get Max Scherzer, and the Mets ponied up to get Luis Angel Acuna in return. Acuna is a top 100 prospect. Oh, yeah. And the the more that I personally dive into Luis Angel Acuna, the more I'm like, okay, this guy might just hit the ground running everywhere he goes. Yeah, it worked out really well where, you know, I just updated the Luis Angel Acuna write-up uh, for our top 100 update coming in, in in a few days very recently. So it was it was great to be able to, like, have very recent thoughts and updated thoughts on, on him when the trade went down. Uh, but this guy just keeps getting better and surprise, surprise, you know, he's Ronald Acuna's brother. And sometimes I think the association is, is a little bit much, especially when it's like Brian Acuna, who's yet to play a game. And I, yeah, you know, like I, a Chorio, yeah. I pulled his card and sold it for like $600. And it was, yeah. like, I felt like I was robbing somebody, um, right. even though they bid very, very aggressively to get it. Like It's just one of those things. But, you know, I, I think that this is one of those where you can see the talent and you can see him continuing to build on it. He's 21 years old. He's not going to be the power bat that his brother is. He doesn't have multiple 80 grade tools like his brother, but he has good tools across the board. I see above average field to hit. I see a plus wheels. He's an elite base dealer. There's sneaky pop there. I'd say slightly above average power that he does a decent job getting into. And then I love the glove I, at shortstop. He's and I know the Mets don't need a shortstop, but a shortstop, he's a borderline plus defender for me. That was a fun video dive. He could play second. He could play third if you wanted him to. He was starting to see some action in center. This is a great prospect to get, period. The number one thing that stood out to me is his lower half was was a little bit shaky last year. He, you know, he, you know, he has the same setup as his brother. So it's the hands kind of out, Identical. The, load, the load into the back hip, and then fire from the back hip. But he didn't have that Ronald Acuna type of swing off the back leg as much. He was drifting back forward. And with that drift forward, he was kind of crowding himself. So against Velocity last year, he had just a 600 OPS against 94+. Plus. Uh, and, and this year... You see the improvements with the lower half. I was so excited to pull, like, to queue up 94 plus. I'm like, the lower half looks better. How's it going to look? 765 OPS against 94 plus, which is really good because he punishes breaking balls and he punishes everything else. So he's heading in the right direction. I think the white, or excuse me, the Mets may have picked him picked him up just before he kind of hits that blue chip prospect type of of, of range. Right now, he's kind of like just in between. And I think that I think this was a great get. They had to kick money but definitely worth it when money ain't a thing. I wonder where the future spot is for him, because you mentioned they don't have an opening at shortstop in Lindor. They don't have an opening at second in McNeil, who just signed a five-year extension. Uh, I mean, Beatty still looks like the future. Beatty at third, and then in, in center, they just paid Brandon Nimmo over, what, six, seven years. So yeah. like, if he's good enough, he's going to take a spot. That's just how that works. Yeah, maybe you slide Nimmo eventually to left, you know, because this would be a year or two from now. And, you know, who knows how Nimmo's moving out there at that point. Want to keep him healthy. Acuna was seeing a little bit more action at, sh- at center field. It was, I think it was like almost once a week. They'd give him that start in center field and 
he looked pretty decent out there. I got to dive a little bit more into it. Hopefully we get some more reps out there, but elite base stealer too. Like what is it? 40, what does he have? 43 now at this point? 42 for 47. I mean, that's, that's pretty damn good. Um, So this is a great piece and he's 21. He's 21. So I think Mets fans have to be excited about Luis Angel and, now we got double Acuna's in uh, in the NL East very soon. You know that the the reporters are gonna just beat that one to death <laughs> every yes. time they play against each other. Oh yes, couple of a uh, couple of Cardinal returns before we get to a conversation with Jared Jones, the Pirates prospect, uh, and Connor Phillips, the Reds prospect. Both of which kind of look like fringe top one hundred arms. I, I think Jones maybe inside, Phillips just on the outside. Both could could kind of force their way in as a few more guys graduate at the eleventh hour. I think both are top one hundred talents. Uh, you can say without without a doubt. Got you. Um, all right, let, let's start with Toronto. Jordan Hicks acquired by the Blue Jays. In turn, Sam Burst, noted futures game legend, and Adam Klofenstein go back in return. Um, Sam Burst, unorthodox arm slot, ninety three, ninety four with the heater. Solid could be a four, could be a five, and Klaffenstein, what looks like a reliever. So it's funny, you know, Klaffenstein, I would have had like reliever all over him before. Uh, he's seen his stuff tick up this year, and, and I know he was an 18 draftee, you know, so it feels like he's been around for forever, but he's yet to turn 23. Uh, the stuff is ticked up this year, fastball is up a tick, uh, everything else is you know, slider, cutters all up a tick. I think he's got a chance to be that swingman type, you know, maybe the upside of 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 a four or five uh, as as the stuff continues to get better. The command has gotten a little bit better as well. Uh, that that cutter is pretty pretty darn good and gives him a, a big league floor because I think that cutter is a big league pitch. But you know, it's whether it's middle relief or or a little bit higher leverage or you know that swingman to fringe starter type. Roberts is fun. We talked about him. I mean, like. It's a cool story out of what was it, the Netherlands. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's somebody that I don't think anything jumps off the page, but a lot of different pa- uh, a lot of different pitches have some intrigue. I think all of his secondaries have a shot to be above average. So you'd think he'd be way better, right? If you have multiple, if you have a curve, a change and a slider and even a cutter that he mixes in that all have a chance to be average or better. You're like, oh, that guy's definitely a number number five starter, at least. But the fastball stinks. And that's the problem. The fastball has been pummeled this year. Opponents are slashing 310, 402, 593. It's a 994 OPS against this fastball. So what's interesting is he should actually be horrible this year by that, by that, because I always talk about how like you're as good as your fastball, right? But like, no, uh, he's been able to, to be effective and opponents overall are hitting, you know, in the low 200s with a, a, an OPS below 700 because the secondaries have been so solid and the command's been decent. So if he can get that fastball to even be average, he could be a really solid four starter. So there, there's something there. And I think, you know, ultimately you're giving up a, a reliever that I know he's got sex appeal because he throws a bajillion miles an hour. But like at the end of the day, like, is, is Hicks really that lights out back end guy? No, Probably a rental. Yeah, yeah, it's a rental. And he's not that, you know, he's not that much and, of a guarantee to be great. I thought it was a pretty good get for the Cardinals who are also looking to stockpile arms. And there are days where Jordan Hicks like can't find the K box like yeah. with a gun to his head. Like yes. so, I I don't think that this is a bad move at all. And I mean, it, it was pretty clear what the Cardinals were going to do. If Jordan Hicks didn't sign a multi-year extension, they were going to trade it. Yeah, he clearly didn't sign the multi-year extension. So go get a guy that you know could be a top ten prospect in your system with a lot of these recent grads, you know, for a, a rental reliever. 
Jordan Montgomery, rental starter. Chris Stratton, rental reliever. They turn that into, they send that to Texas. St. Louis turns that into John King, who's been a reliever for like five years and is super, super average. Um, Thomas Sejazi, fifth round pick in 2020, high school guy, and TK Roby, the right-handed arm. Sejazi and Roby are very intriguing pieces going to St. Louis. Yeah, I think Roby's not on the table in in a deal like this if he had not gotten hurt. You know, this is like the second injury he's had in a little bit, and I'll get into the stuff there. But Roby's extremely talented. Sagazi, I, I I was writing up a you know a tweet on him, and I was like, as I was kind of looking at at everything, and he's a guy we've talked about a little bit on the show. It's just like one of those dudes that's hit at every single stop but is kind of underrated because he was a, a mid-round pick or, you know, a little, at least just after day one, doesn't have that one plus tool that everybody gets excited about, but it's above average tools pretty much across the board. It's fantastic production. He's still just 21. And it reminds me of Brendan Donovan. Like, is it not similar when you look at the minor league numbers and you look at the lack of fanfare? It, there's a lot of similarities to Brendan Donovan. And similarly, he plays second, he plays third. He can get by it short when you know when you need him to. I'm sure if you wanted to put him in, in left, he'd be just fine because he's a great athlete. Sneaky power that I don't think he gets enough credit for. Good field to hit. He's just a really good ball player. Like he's just your classic ball player. And and I think he's gonna get up quick. I think he is the floor of a utility piece, but one of those guys that ends up playing every day because he's hitting so much. Yeah, so I, I think Donovan is the perfect comp. I'm, I'm also thinking he was expendable because Justin Foscue is like a better version of him in that Rangers system. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I think bat-wise, absolutely. The thing with Segezi is like he's a good glove at multiple spots. Yeah, and like Foscue can't play short. Like Foscue oh, could play second or third, but – Barely. Like, yeah. Yeah, Segezi can play short. Yeah. So, I don't know. I – I guess thinking about where Sejazi kind of fits in and Acuna for that matter, where you've got three or you've got two infielders that you just dealt away. Okay. Josh Young is holding down third base for the next five years after this. Uh, Corey Seager's holding down shortstop for the next decade. Marcus Semyon's holding down second base for the next five years after this. Like th- there's no space to put him, assuming full health. And even if you don't have full health, Ezekiel Durant, yes, he's been playing a lot of outfield, but like, that guy can play the infield too. So I, I don't know. There's just so much traffic there. They dealt from a spot of massive surplus. A hundred percent. And and again, like you're not going to really feel it if you're the Rangers, but if you're a team that's acquiring, like you, you feel pretty good about sure. it. And that's the, that's the sign of a telltale sign of a great farm system. But to your point, you lay it out. Like there's, there's a lot of guys, you know, ahead of them in the, in the pecking order. And when you look at TK Roby, you have to look at it from the lens of the risk uh, that that he comes with. I think the command is really darn good for how good the stuff is, but really it's 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 about the injuries, right? And and that's been the the issue. Jack Leiter's high risk for different reasons. They have some other guys that you know are high risk for other reasons. But Roby still carries enough value here. It was off to a pretty darn good start in terms of stuff this year, which is important. Of course, I think he was outperforming that five ERA by a good margin. And I mean, the fastball was up to, to 97. It was sitting 95. The curveball was a hammer of a pitch. And the slider and changeup both have a chance to be above average. You're taking a flyer, hoping he stays healthy, but he's 21. 
he definitely has as, as much upside as, as anybody that's getting moved pitching wise so far at this deadline, if I can't remember anyone else. Uh, so I, Nistrini. I, Nistrini. Yeah. So I'd say him and Nistrini. Uh, they're, they're kind of cut from a similar cloth here. And you know, if Roby can stay healthy, it's a great get for the Cardinals. But either way, I thought this was a pretty darn good return. Yeah, we, we were talking about it a little bit. Um, I think right before we started recording that that two pitch mix of the fastball and the curveball, like you mentioned his slider and changeup pretty decent, but I like watching that fastball that lives well top of the zone. It's you know, it you can see it carry. It hangs on that clothesline, and then he has like this vertical sharp, almost 12-6 type curveball type power curve that drops off that. And, and I think that sequence. If you can screw with a hitter vertically, that's beautiful. And I think that he can do just that. 100%. And I think he was really unlucky through the first handful of games. I mean, it wasn't like he was getting hit, hit hard for home runs. Like, I don't think there was a lot of things that you know, that that looked bad to me. So I, I think if he's healthy, he's going to really build on, on what was, I thought, stuff-wise and underlying data-wise, a really good start to the year. Cool. That's it on the trade front, man. Obviously, we're going to have more in the next 36 hours. We're going to talk more trades uh, on Wednesday, but I think it's time for the uh, the two conversations. Awesome. So we'll, we'll kick it to our conversations. Jack, this was just specifically Jack at the ball field, get it, chopping it up with these guys. But we've got a couple of great conversations here with Connor Phillips and Jared Jones. But before that, quick reminder to tell you about our friends at Alt Baseball Card Market. Heating up a little bit during the second half of the season. The only place to search for cards is alt.xyz. Uh, alt, the only platform that allows you to search all the major marketplaces and with our friends at eBay at once. Just download the free Alt app, type a player or their card into the search bar, and Alt going to return every graded card available for sale. Even better, you save your search. You can be notified every time that card becomes available on the Alt marketplace You'll never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. Just baseball, we kind of strive to be one-stop shopping for baseball coverage, all totally striving to be one-stop shopping uh, for card resale. Yeah, I was just at the National and uh, we, you know the National Card Show and uh, being able to, to, to refer to alt to... You know, kind of get an idea on some of the pricing. There's just so many cards everywhere. Uh, yeah. and, and you're trying to make trades. You're trying to buy, sell. And you know, there's a Colson Montgomery card I wanted. I could just go check alt real quick. It was a PSA 10. Go see what, what similar cards were listed for, sold for, whatever. It, it just allowed me to kind of do things very quickly and, and get an idea of what everything is worth. And then get an idea of some what some of my stuff was worth as well. So very helpful tool, very easy way to pick up cards and, and just makes it like you said, a one-stop shop. So let's get to this conversation here with Jared Jones and Connor Phillips. All right, we got the Pirates right-handed pitching prospect, Jared Jones here, and we're going to start from the very beginning, but let's jump in right away with AAA. How does it feel to be in triple? You know, you had immense success in Altoona. What's it been like in Indy first couple of starts? I mean, you can't complain. Um, being 21 in AAA, I mean, just that by itself is already – it's it's unreal to be here. Um, it's been fun. The apartments has been really nice here. Fields obviously really beautiful. You got all the hotels in the back in the backdrop here. It's just you know pretty ballpark. And uh, Altoona was fun to pitch into. Another uh, pitchers park and was able to get after it. Right at some guys and had some success there. 
We're going to get into a spot that wasn't very fun to pitch in a little bit later on, but um, I, I do want to go back to the very beginning because I was reading what you were going to Texas as a guy that was going to do both. And I read Juice as an outfielder. What's going on? Like you're six foot, what, six one, one ninety, and you're here throwing ninety nine, and you're hitting taters. Where did this strength come from? Where did the power come from? You know, I ask that. My, I ask that question every day. Um, but my uh, mom and dad both played college baseball growing up. My dad ended up playing pro baseball. Um, got a couple cousins that ended up playing baseball in the big leagues. And, uh, yeah, I feel like it's just genetics in the family. And I don't know where 99 came from. I don't know where home runs came from. We, we talked a little bit about uh, your golf game when we were doing another conversation for the Indians. But um, it, that's like a rotational athlete thing. And, I mean, I, I think, okay, smaller frame. You got the juice. You got the 99. That, that has to be rotationally, you know, active stuff. How much did you kind of pay attention to that at a young age, especially with both your parents being athletes? Uh, my dad kind of pushed me to be the best baseball player I could at the really young age, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> every time I had a bad game, just getting on me and stuff like that and just trying to prove him wrong from such a young age, I feel like that just kind of fueled everything up to set me up to be where I am right now. It sounds like uh, the story that so many pro ball players have, right? It's, it's fueled by, I don't know, just the desire to compete, the desire to succeed at a really high level. You know, last year, it was kind of your you know foray into you know pitching full time, I assume, right? Being in I, 2021, you're in Bradenton, but last year you were in Greensboro the entire year. Greensboro, we've talked about a man of band box. You had some homers against you at under 90 miles an hour off the bat. I, just getting out of that place, what did that do for your confidence on the hill? Oh, it's huge. Um, you you get out of a place where homers are meant to be hit, and you get into, back into a pitcher's park. You get a whole bunch of stress off your shoulders and you just go out there and have fun. That's exactly what I did in Altoona and trying to find it here. Yeah. I read a great article uh, from Rob Beer Temple, who was with The Athletic at the time when he talked to you, and, and you mentioned the word intent a couple of times, throwing each pitch with intent. And, you know, to, to the fan perspective, to the guys that aren't out there, that perspective, intent means, okay, fastball here, I'm going to throw it with all I've got. I'm sure it's a bit more layered than that. What does intent mean to you when you get a certain pitch? You know, I'm going to get my best whatever cookie calls or delay calls with those buttons on his knees or whatever it is now. Uh, get that sign that I get from him and, you know, just put my all into that one pitch. And it's just kind of like you're staring at the hitter. It's 1v1 and uh, you're not going to touch it. It's, my mindset with it is just, you know, F you. Yeah. That's, that's how I throw almost every pitch. And it's worked out so far this year. We love that. We're talking with Jared Jones, who's made his way to triple in the Pirates organization. And, you know, a lot of people around the industry are saying you are one of the breakout arms in minor league baseball. And, you know, I, I think they see that when they see the low to mid twos that, that you put up in Altoona. Getting that kind of, you know, result in Altoona, being 21 years old in double and, and shoving like you did. I mean, does that almost give you this newfound sense of confidence? I can tell that you're a confident guy, but does that kind of take that to another level, knowing that you can get some of the best hitters that aren't in big league ball on the planet out? Um, you know, I just kind of take it day by day. Uh, past means nothing. It's just all what you do about in the present. So, you know, what I did back in Altoona was really cool. I, I had a great time there, you know. Obviously, having the low two ERA is just, I was doing something right there, but just taking it day by day, make sure I get better day by day. Before I let you go, I want to walk through the pitch mix here because, you know, I, obviously I want to start with the fastball. 96 to 99, it's high spin, man. I've got the portal up while I'm watching you throw, and it's, you know, 2450, 2500 RPMs. Have you naturally always been a, a good spinner, or is that something? is that something that you can work on? 
I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. Um, yeah. I kind of just ended up in high school when I found some velo in my sophomore, junior year. Um, I just kind of spin came with just it. Threw, just threw it as hard as I could every pitch and spins always came with it. I never really try to pay attention to like spin and stuff. I know that stuff's really valuable, but I've just always been, been able to do it. Um, getting better at it, I feel like if I had some more RPMs on the baseball, I'd be in a pretty good spot. 100%. Uh, Velo, how important is it to you? You know, are you, are you keeping tabs during games? Um, and, and how have you worked on kind of sustaining velocity? Because getting there is one thing. Keeping it there into the fifth and sixth inning, I'm sure, is an entirely different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, um, just not trying to burn yourself out in the first inning. Like, yeah, a couple 99s in there, especially when I'm trying to get in front of guys. Um, but just not wasting my load all in the first two, three innings. And if I can keep being 96 to 97 throughout the whole game, it's a pretty good day. And then I'll reach back to 98, 99 when I need it on a two-strike count or hitter's count. We'll wrap with the breaking balls, but the changeup, too. We talked about the changeup. Changeup has been feeling a lot better for you, I think, you know, since you got to triple and, and even your last couple starts in Altoona, too. It's a higher velo changeup, which is making its way into the game. How have you kind of tinkered with your changeup over the last, you know, couple months, couple of years? Uh, a couple of years. We'll start with that. I didn't have a changeup. It was horrible. Yeah. It was more of just like a two-seam fastball that didn't uh, tail as much, and yeah. it got hit around a lot, and went to a Chapman baseball compound. Uh, me and the guys there found something that clicked and just kind of took off from there. So the changeups just uh, developed pretty well for me just this past year. Yeah. Want to jump to the curveball here, and then we'll end with that slider. Uh, curveball is something that you know we almost see like varying levels of usage with it, just kind of depending on the start. Where, where do you feel like you're at with the curveball? What do you want to shore up with it? Um, throwing it where I want, you know. Um, I've left some curveballs up this year where it ends up biting me and I give up a couple runs and you know if I can just get the locations down with that curveball I feel like it'll be a plus pitch for me to have. Your slider I've seen pitches tagged as sliders that are 94.5 95 Mm -hmm. on the portal here do you feel like you know you kind of have that that diver that you like how would you kind of classify your slider? Uh, Back in Altoona I had like that gyro slider at 90 91 and um, came here, new baseball, thrown to Major League Baseball. I felt like I kind of lost that a little bit. And uh, just trying to get back to where that was. And we've done that the past, just this past week, just getting to where back where it was. So see where it's at this week. Last one for you, Jared Jones. What do you feel most proud of so far this year? Obviously, you know, a ton of strides in the production department when you look at ERA, when you look at innings, strikeouts as well, command. Hey, where do you kind of look at your 2023 season so far and say, this is what I set out to do and I'm accomplishing that? Uh, for me, it's being a better teammate, and that's a pretty big feat for me. Um, past couple of years, it weren't too good, and it's just I was getting in my own head and just causing the locker room a little bit of trouble and stuff like that and today or this year it's just making sure my head's in the right spot and you know being around the guys a little bit more often and just being a good guy jared jones appreciate you man and uh, it's been a blast watching you pitch this year thank you that Connor Phillips, the pitching prospect for the Cincinnati Reds, with us after a really solid outing on Wednesday and a solid start to his AAA career, International League Pitcher of the Week. Last week, 11 punches and seven shutout innings. Uh, we can start with the acclimation to AAA. What, what's it been like kind of adjusting to the highest level of minor league baseball, and you're a step away from that dream that everybody talks about? 
Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, it's been fun. Um, I credit these guys, my uh, my teammates, for you know helping me out, uh, giving me some uh, teaching points, and um, really you know being there for me because it is it's a big step, uh, especially here with uh, ABS and kind of like that. And I'm not a huge you know. Uh, like pitch to contact guy, but yeah. right now it's it's. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's kind of the way I need to go, you know. Well, you are leading minor league baseball in strikeouts, and I want to talk about you know what happened in double because you were a man possessed in double A, and and I know that you guys were using a different baseball in the Southern League. So not only are you getting used to the ABS and you know maybe a higher maturity of hitter, but you're also getting used to the major league baseball. What's that process been like? Is that something that like nobody's really dealt with before? Going with a weird like pre-tack baseball to you know the baseball that they're throwing with at the highest level. Yeah, uh, the baseball was definitely it was pretty wicked. Um, it was it was a lot of fun to use. It's it fun to use, um, and it it allowed me to throw my stuff really easily. And so I think getting back to this major league ball is definitely like a, a step back. And like you know, the vertical break is is down a little bit. Um, I've done it in the past, so we're. You know, I'm throwing really good four-seamers. So it's like I'm getting back there, but it's still uh, using that baseball for three months, whatever it, it was. Um, it definitely uh, allowed me to do it a lot easier. And so now I'm having to, like, get back to where I'm really ripping down on the baseball and uh, being able to create that vert. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the pitch mix in just a moment, but I want to go back to the draft process, too, because you're one of the 2020 draftees that we've talked to, but I think you're the only 2020 JUCO draftee that we've talked to, and that had to be a unique situation, man, where a lot of the D1 guys, you know, you got those looks on SEC Network and all that, but, you know, over a junior college season, you, you like looking at the whole season. What was that draft process like for you? Seattle ended up taking you in Comp B. Yeah, I mean, uh, year prior in high school, I had, I'd got an offer, and uh, it just wasn't wasn't what I wanted at the time, um, and so I was committed to LSU and uh, really really wanted to do that. But uh, for me, it just felt right to go to this JUCO and uh, get some more reps, um, become a better pitcher, be uh, be taught by some some better coaches, um, and so ultimately it worked out for me in the end. Um, and I, I think I grew quite a bit from just doing that for a couple months, you know, with COVID and all that. Yeah. You were the player to be named later in that huge trade involving Winker and Gino Suarez. You came over with Brandon Williamson. And I, I mean, it was it, it was kind of like chaotic in the moment, right? And I'm sure that you were kind of in this weird limbo and then you finally come to Cincinnati. Everybody wants to talk about the Reds having this incredibly bright future, and you're certainly a part of it on the pitching front. What have you learned from some of those other guys, like a Nick Lodolo and a Hunter Green and a Williamson and an Abbott? Yeah, I mean, all those guys are are uh, really good, and um, a bunch of them uh, you can talk to, and they're they're there for you, and they want to be able to help you. You know, um, they're they're a part of the the rebuild too uh, I guess and so they want they want to be the best possible and uh, you know if I can help them then 
I would love to. Yeah. I, I almost want to go pitch by pitch right now. Let's start with the fastball because the heater is what has so many jaws on the floor, right? When Connor Phillips is on, it's, you know, 97 to 99, and it's so much fun to watch because it's high spin and, and all that stuff. You mentioned IVB as well. When did you kind of unlock that velo? Were you an early velo guy, or was that something that kind of came around in high school? What was going on there? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty early, I'd say. Uh, I mean, junior year, like, it was very apparent that I could throw the fastball um it was just I didn't know you know really what it was doing at the time um and it's it's stayed the same profile ever since then you know but at that point I was just throwing it there was no real conviction behind like what I wanted to do with it um but I guess it, it's always it's been there you know um and just uh, making little fixes to it uh, just to make it better, you know. And like you said, the days that I'm on, like, it's it's fun, um, you know. And then some days it's 94, 95, and you got to actually be able to pitch with it too, you know. Yeah. I I, I find the word intent really interesting, and you meant, you know, like you were just saying how, how you commit to that four-seam fastball, right? So what does intent mean to you? Like, how do you unlock that second level of intent? I know exactly what I want to do with this fastball. Yeah, so, I mean, my fastball, uh, high VB, um, it'll play better at the top, and so that's where I try and live. And when those days that, like, I'm on, then I can really just place it anywhere on that top shelf that I want, and that's where it's going to play the best. And uh, it's, it's pretty hard to hit up there, you know. Yeah. Two distinct breaking balls, too, a slider and a curveball. Where do you feel like you're at in terms of the development of each of those pitches? Uh, I mean, the slider's definitely, I would say, my best pitch. Um, it's, I sweep it. Um, that was another thing that, you know, I didn't really know that I did. And um, until I got to the Mariners, like, they really opened my eyes to, like, what my pitches were like and taught me. Um, hey, this is the best version of you, and this is what you should be doing every time. And so since then, it's like there hasn't been a change in the fastball or the slider or the curveball, you know? Yeah, totally understand that. We're really lucky to have Walker Bueller on every week talking about his pitch mix and all that. And that's a, that's a high-spin guy, a bunch of different pitches. And he said, okay, i got to figure out some sort of changeup. High velo changeup. He managed to cut spin somehow, some way, because that's a 2,400 guy dropping it to like 1,400 on a changeup. How are you kind of working on your changeup? Is that something that you're placing a lot of time in uh, on with your bullpen? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I know it's a pitch that I need to work on the most. And if I can unlock that pitch, then it, it really helps me out um, in the long run. Um, with that pre-tacked baseball, it kind of set me back because that, that baseball was really hard to kill vert. Yeah. Um, and spring training, I had the changeup where I was throwing it for strikes, and it was really good. Um, but then whenever I went over to that baseball, I had to change the grip to try and, you know, manipulate it as much as I could. Um, and now, like, I'm getting back to that spring training changeup when um, I could throw it for a strike whenever I wanted to, and uh, it it has some good shape to it as well. Yeah, I, I think we could learn a lot from this question. Who were your favorite pitchers to watch growing up? Uh, I mean, I'm an Astros guy being from Houston. So um, I guess Verlander, Cole, uh, both those guys are uh, really, really talented guys um, in this sport. Um, so I think those two guys, you know. Yeah, I had a feeling you weren't going to say like Mark Burley or Kyle Hendricks or anything like that. Um, a couple more for you, Connor Phillips. 
what does, I don't know, I guess like you, you're obviously so close to Major League Ready. A lot of people believe that you are Major League Ready. For, for you to feel 100% like, hey, I can go get outs with the Cincinnati Reds. I can go five, six innings right now. What do you feel like you need to unlock and triple? Yeah, I mean, I think this, the whole ABS thing, I, as much as I don't like it and like it, it hurts me as a pitcher not being able to like have that top shelf to go to and get called strikes um, I think it also helps me you know be in the zone more and um, be able to pitch these guys in a smaller strike zone and be able to get out um, I think it's just it's like a teaching moment uh, in itself um, so I think that's one thing you know like commanding the strike zone right now and you know if I do get that call then you know, hey, it might be a little bit easier to uh, get those strikes in the big leagues. Yeah, Connor, last one for you. We, we talked about it. You're a 2020 JUCO draftee, COVID draft, come out of junior college. You're the player to be named later in a trade, and now you're a 22-year-old in triple knocking on the door of the bigs. Have you taken a moment to be like, damn, this is really cool that I'm right here right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Um, like I said, these, these teammates that I have, a bunch of them have – you know that big league time they've been there and they're they're really helping me out and uh, getting me ready to that point you know Connor Phillips really appreciate you best of luck rest of the way man thank you you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need Viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.